This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Are we toasting? Yes. Yeah. Put the toast down and grab your drink. Put the toast oh, down. Okay. Grab your drink. We're doing the other toast, Doug. It is Monday and we maybe do both toast. Toast with butter and we do our coffee toast to the men and women in our armed forces. On behalf of the men and women making podcast in mom's basement and the men and women at Navy Federal Credit Union, you know what we do, Doug, is we toast our troops just the like coffee. that. That's how we do it's it. Some Java. Yes. And I got my- Yeah, I know it. That's Now I'm annoyed. Why? I, like, I love that we do this every Monday. I think it's great that we do this, but your mugs, man. Like, if you're not going to- Say, oh, I went to the Citadel like once every four episodes. Now you got to have a mug to let it say it for you. Do I have to tell the whole story where I didn't graduate? I'm kind of a loser about that. Oh, did I tell you? I went to (laughs) Frankfurt. But before that, I went to the Citadel. Before that, I went to Michigan State. Anyway. I got my, that's my Chuck mug. That's my Cheers to our troops. How about that? Can we just cheers everybody? I guess you should have called. I did call earlier when... Using the phone. Earlier, when was that? Or later, when then I uh, le- left a message. A message? What number did you call? Two, four, niner, five, six, seven, eight. I can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie talkie? No, it was cordless. Mm-hmm. You know what? Don't. Not here, not now. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and it's time to harness your chaos and channel it into clarity. Today, we talk to the guy who knows the secret ingredient to make more money and find success, Peter Atwater. In our headline segment, having trouble saving into your 401k? Bank of America is out with their state of retirement study and we'll see how you compare. 
Plus, our TikTok Minute will show that it's all about leading by example. That's all before we throw out the Haven Lifeline to stacker Jerry, who wants to know how to invest when you have 401k limitations. And of course, I'll share some incredibly colorful trivia. And now, two guys who are shining examples of personal finance. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. I nailed that one. I nailed it. Well, thank you very much, Doug, for the kind intro. And yes, you did nail it. Welcome to Monday. We're all nailing Monday. Here's how I know I nail it, Joe, because I always try on your name to go, Joe. Like to go down low on Joe, and I can't always do that, but that time I crushed it. Uh, oh, gee, I think he wants to go through the, the uh, master class on how to do what he did. Somebody wants to take the Doug master class. We, uh, we should just contact them. Maybe. I don't know who would want to do that. But. I don't know who would want to do that. I got no idea. Might not be the right side hustle, but everybody, happy Monday. We're so happy that you're here with us. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the next uh, hour because we are going to bring it for you. We've got a great headline, Doug, as you said uh, early on, and we got the amazing OG here. How are you, buddy? Great, pal. (laughs) (laughs) He's incapable of doing that with any amount of genuineness. He can't pull it off. I come back for more. Like every Monday, Wednesday, come back for more and it just doesn't work, but it works. We, we, it works. We do. Everything about that said, great, you jackhole. <laughs> we got a, we got a great show today. Peter Atwater, who is not only a professor at William and Mary, he's got the key. You know, we often, we're often OG, we're solving for the wrong thing, right? We solve for optimization when we should be solving for flexibility. We solve for lower payments today when we should be trying to pay our debt off earlier. So working on framework, big part of what we want to do. Peter Atwater's got a great framework that leads with confidence. How do we get confidence into our actions? And you and I, it's funny that Peter's talking about confidence because you and I get coaching from the same organization, Strategic Coach, in the last... Last time we were both in Chicago, that's all they talked about was how important confidence is. It's the only thing that matters, especially as you're kind of navigating all this stuff about money or entrepreneurship or whatever it is that you're working on. There's there's enough non-confident things going on around you. There totally is. Building confidence, your number one place to start. So before that, we got our headline. But you know what, OG, before that, Doug, Doug, you were going to tell us a story about uh, eBay about an eBay experience. Oh yeah. Settle in Joe. This is a good one. So here we go. So I'm buying this. This episode sponsored by state farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget. Well, look no further than state farm. State farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, state farm knows what it takes Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. I didn't think they sold that on eBay. I, I mean, We accidentally cut Doug off with that. I think that was so. Should I go again? Mistake. Yeah, try you it. Want again. me to just start it over again, please? So anyway, I'm searching for the cat corpus. Well, if you're new to Stacky Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things, so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to 
what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. I can't believe my finger slipped twice in a row. Sorry. Man. My bad. Peter Atwater joining us in a minute, but first a big headline. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our headline comes to us from Investment News. This is written by Steve Randall. You know, every year, OG, the, maybe the one thing I like at Bank of America is they do a state of retirement survey that I think Every year we reference it. I feel like it gives us a nice uh, finger on the pulse of what's going on. But this year, they're they're painting kind of a, a tale of two countries in America. The headline reads, average 401k balances are up from last year, but so are hardship withdrawals. Uh, Steve writes, there's good news and bad news about state of retirement savings in 2023, according to a new report from Bank of America. While some Americans feeling optimistic and have boosted their 401k balances, others are struggling and have been forced to take hardship withdrawals, depleting their retirement provisions. The numbers look like this. Average balances so far in 2023 have increased by about $7,250. That's about 10% more money in the average 401k. However, on the downside, there's been a 36% spike in the number of people taking hardship withdrawals from their 401k plans compared to a year ago. I feel like the biggest problem, OG, more people, you know, feeling inflation, feeling they don't have enough money right now. So we're going to this pot of money that is our retirement account. Which is kind of a double-edged sword, right? I mean, at some level, all of your money is all of your money. We talk a lot about making sure that you have a lot of flexibility, that you're saving in pre-tax accounts and after-tax accounts and, you know, taking advantage of all the different things so you have flexibility. But at the end of the day, if you had a $100 million in your IRA, do you really care if there's a penalty or or taxes to take that money out? Of course not, because you got a hundred million bucks. So at some point, you have to look at your money as money. And for some people, it's not the greatest, but at some at some level, you have to look and say, if I've got consumer debt or if I've got these other responsibilities that are causing me some frustration, or in some cases, lots and lots and lots of interest, especially as interest rates have gone up, it's something that you got to consider to take a look at, well, this is my money. I can take this money and pay off this debt. My net worth stays the same, right? Because I pay off debt and I reduce my asset. So my net worth is the same dollar amount it was you know, before the transaction, but I'm not paying 30% interest to credit cards. 
if you're taking hardship withdrawals, you're taking loans from your 401k because you want to buy a car, you want to buy a boat, you want to have some fun, you know, you want to go on vacation. That's a really awful use of that money well, from retirement assets. But if you have the need for kind of clearing up stuff and it's because you got out in front of your skis or something else happened in your life, you're hurt or injured or laid off from work for an extended period of time. And this is, you know, kind of like your last resort. It is what it is, right? It's, it's part, that's part of your money. And now the next part is how do we, how do we fix it? Yeah. I was going to say, if that's the diagnosis that we have a problem, the prescription though, of just take the money out seems to be a little, um, a little too quick for me. If we've got a 36% bump, I feel like there's some other options that we have available, but because we have the money sitting there, we don't move that. Like, well, in a, a preventative measure, let's talk about this. Is the prescription, if I don't have any money for emergencies and I keep having to tap my 401k for emergencies, OG, is it to slow down the 401k savings and get the emergency fund in place? Yeah. I mean, that could be one of the pieces. It could be look at your spending. It could be you know, go try to find extra work or work overtime or, you know, side hustle it or whatever you want to do. If you continuously find yourself in the need of extra cash because your income and expenses month to month are not the right, you know, ratio, then I think you have to consider that sort of remedy, not necessarily, well, I'll just take money for my 401k, you know, because yeah. that doesn't solve the problem. Like you were talking about, it's, it's a, it's a bandaid no different than the person who has a whole bunch of credit card debt and then goes, gets a home equity loan and goes, Oh, phew, <sighs> knocked all that away. It's like, well, no, you didn't. <laughs> you just moved it to a different thing. Right. You know, you freed up cash flow. You got a better, better terms. All of that's great. But if you don't solve that root problem of you have too much spending that caused the credit card debt in the first place, eventually you run into the scenario where now you have credit card debt and no equity in the house. Now, what do you do? Yeah, I, I think there's got to be some better ways. And so I went looking and uh, found this piece from NerdWallet, 19 Ways to Find Cash. And I think if you just do a little bit of exploring, there's some stuff. Like if you, to your point, if you move things around and you just kind of mortgage your your retirement to pay for today, you mortgage your own future. But number one on this list is sell spare electronics. We all have old electronics sitting around some people that might make you a few bucks, sell your gift cards, pawn something like Selling one, gift two, cards. Hold on a second. That one actually is a pretty good idea. If your house is like mine, you've got a pile of them somewhere, right? You get them for holidays or birthdays, or you go somewhere and you, you know, they have a little promo at the grocery store. Here's a gift card. You don't go, you know, I, I don't, yeah. I don't necessarily go to Outback that often to use it. I mean, it's just not a, it's not in the, it's not in the, and then quite often we'll go and forget we even had a gift card because yep. they're in, you know, a different part of the house, basically go through all those, get the dollar amounts. There's websites that you can use to sell them. Now you don't sell them exactly dollar for dollar, but you'll get a good deal and raise some cash pretty quickly. The top three on this list, OG, to your point are just sell things. And I remember when we talked to Ty and Talit McNeely at his and her money, a great couple in Chicago on the internet. They have some fantastic YouTube videos. You know, part of their story about getting financially solvent was selling the stuff around their house that they weren't using. Yeah. And that, and that helped them eliminate way more credit card debt than they thought. It was, it was a big thing. Number four, work today for fast cash. There's so many online ways to make money between Uber, you know, Uber Eats, uh, uh, Instacart, all the different ways that you can make some pretty fast cash to solve your problem. 
seeking community loans and assistance. Uh, Crystal has talked about how this helped her when she was struggling with money that she didn't realize there were community problems. Gene Chatsky and Patrice Washington's new PBS special about money, we featured them maybe five or six months ago, uh, talked about how many community loans for assistance there are. So there's a bunch of them. Eighth on the list is take a loan from your retirement account. There's seven above it. And frankly, a lot of them below it, I would actually put above it too. So we'll link to those on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. But I think just going right to the 401k, is a difficult place, but it's certainly OG is a time to look at your behaviors and see, is there something I can change? Either make more money, spend less money. Time for our TikTok minute. This is the part of the show where we shine the light on a TikTok creator, either doing something brilliant or hashtag brilliant. And OG, I'm going to see if you'll break the string today of same answer every damn Monday. You, uh, you going to bring me a different answer. Is it brilliant or hashtag brilliant? It's never brilliant. <laughs> well, we'll see. This is from uh, a guy that a lot of our a lot of our community may know, um, motivational speaker Evan Carmichael, interviewing a guy. Well, and I think you'll know the voice immediately when you hear this uh, gentleman. I paid $285 million for the Dallas Mavericks. This was early November. By January 4th, I owned the Dallas Mavericks. So when I took over the Mavs, I didn't get a big office. I didn't get a big desk. I didn't give a about big desk and we had eight, nine, whatever salesperson. I put my desk right in the middle of them. I put a phone book and a computer printout of all of our former customers. And right there next to them, I just started dialing, trying to sell the Mavericks. Ma'am, I, I know you've been to a Mavericks game before, but you realize now that it's less expensive to come to a Mavericks game than to take your family to McDonald's. Our ticket started at $8 and McDonald's and a Coke is more than that. Why don't you come and try us out? The first game's free on me. I wanted everybody that worked with me to see that if I ask them to do it, I'll do it. If you're running a company, and if you can align your interests with those of the people you work with, things are going to work for you. I don't even think that's if you run a company. I think that's just great leadership, no matter who you are, OG, is if, if you're going to ask your team to do something, you're going to ask your family to do something, whatever it is, you should be willing to do it too. Or be able to do it yourself. So are they all ridiculous? Was that ridiculous? Well, I mean, the Mavericks are ridiculous, but... <laughs> Well, it's Cuban, funny that Cuban's a little bit ridiculous. What's funny that Mark Cuban's not telling you is he's sending this lady to the game for free and he gets her on the $36 popcorn, $92 beer. Like he makes it up, uh, makes it up by the second quarter. But very seriously, it's funny. I was listening to some other creator and they were talking about how, you know, when you talk to your team and the people around you about goals, a lot of the time you'll see everybody just, just fade out like yeah go okay goals yeah we might reach those we might not could be good could you know maybe maybe not when you talk to people about impact what impact is this going to bring to your client to your customer to your community he was talking about how that clears the fog and i think talking about impact also i think goes hand in hand with what what mark cuban's talking about here oh gee i really believe that i don't know what to add to that <clears throat> yes joe you're brilliant that was great all of those things. Joe, you're brilliant. Fantastic. Fantastic. Way to bring it home. <laughs> Doug, I'm going to keep playing ones that are not uh, are not cheesy cheesy until he changes. And it's going to be that week I play another cheesy and one. And then right when he finally you just relents. Have, what, see, you got to have two. <laughs> you got to have two, exactly. And then as soon as I go, <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> it's could be, so it could, it's going to be a strategy. Like Charlie Brown and the football with Lucy holding the football. Could be. Can't wait. 
Uh, coming up, we've got a fantastic guest. Uh, Peter Atwater is, as I mentioned earlier, an adjunct professor of economics at William & Mary's president of Financial Insights, a consulting firm that advises institutional investors, major companies, and global policymakers on how social mood affects decision-making, the economy, and the markets. Uh, you see Peter all over the place. I've seen him on CNBC. I've seen him on Fox Business. He's always a guy who's talking whenever there's a change in the mood, change in the economy. He'll talk about that today, about how confidence really for him has become the name of the game and can be the name of the game for you for changing whatever financial game is that you're playing, whether making money or investing money or even frankly spending money. But before we get to Peter, who I can't wait to talk to, Doug, you've got some trivia while he's coming down the stairs. Let's do it. Darn right I do, Joe. Hey, everybody. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and these punk kids in the neighborhood keep wasting water trying to make rainbows with the hose. Man, today's youth is really in a sad state of affairs. So, me... I think it's pronounced youths. I think it's pronounced oh, today's youths. Today's youths is in a sad state of affairs. Okay, no, not doing that. So, me, being the mentor that I am, had to flex. I mean, demonstrate how to do it. Lucky for them, I taught them proper body placement in the sun, hose angle, and pressure to create the perfect prism of light. Sure, took me four hours, but those kids... Those kids learned a life skill today. Good thing I used Joe's mom's hose. Four hours of water would really have set my budget back. Speaking of rainbows, today in 1979, the longest lasting rainbow in meteorological history was recorded. No, it wasn't the last time OG smiled. In fact, this record-breaking band of color held out for three hours on the Gwyneth Coast in Wales. That's not the only big rainbow that happened on this day in the Chronicles of Time. In 1935, a rainbow for your wallet became law. The Social Security Act creating a pension system for the retired was signed. My trivia question is, on August 14, 1938, what president signed the Social Security Act? I'll be back right after I Google how to get rid of raisin fingers. Four hours of rainbow making training gives you dishpanned hands. Well, you know what I think about Navy Federal? I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members. want to say a special shout out to uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. 
Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Hey there, stackers. I'm rainbow maker and water diviner, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and taking a moment to celebrate my win, giving the neighborhood kids the training and the four hours of water necessary to master their rainbow skills gives me all the feels. But I got a job to do. My trivia question was on the social security pot of gold created in the U.S. for retirees. On August 14th, 1938, what president signed the Social Security Act into law? It was Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Little known fact, also known as FDR. Almost nobody knows that. And now it's time to find out the secret to making more money and finding success with Peter Atwater. And I'm super happy sitting down at the card table with us. Peter Atwater's here. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Joe. Great to see you. Well, I'm super happy that you're here. And I'm glad that we're going to talk about this idea of confidence. When did you first realize that confidence truly was the name of the game on on looking at the future? Late in life, well beyond my first career. And I was trying to understand why I was watching right after Lehman Brothers collapsed, the financial markets start to take off. You know, stocks started to rise. And I was like, no, 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 no. Everybody feels horrible. They think things are getting worse. Why is the market going up? I realized that Nothing that I understood in terms of cash flow valuations and technical analysis, none of that mattered. People's mood was changing. And with that, something dramatic was happening. And I thought, you know what? I don't want to make the mistakes that I made in 2009 again, in terms of thinking that things are only going to get worse and then seeing things get better and feeling unprepared for that. And it's interesting you say that because you talk about the opposite of confidence is not so much a lack of confidence as is vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we miss that. And vulnerability, when you frame things in that sense, suddenly makes so much more sense when you look at the behaviors of individuals and crowds. Yes. Let's go to really the beginning of this project. You draw this correlation between the, you know, the close of business of the stock market where, you know, CNBC, Fox Business, they begin interviewing people. They try to figure out, okay, what happens? We can turn this into a story. And it's funny that you say that because I remember reading a a good book in the 1990s called Trading Rules, where they say, listen, there really is no story. (laughs) It's just, it it could be these big investors doing things, Peter, for all these reasons, but we want to turn into a story. And it really is a good story. And we look at presidential elections. We'll talk a little bit about uh, Trump versus Clinton as an example, which you bring up later in your work. We can tell a story afterwards, but we're really bad at using the same stuff for the future. Why the dichotomy where we can piece it together later, but we can't do it in the future? Yeah, because we need an explanation for why things happened. And remarkably, that's easy. But we're ill-equipped, I think, is probably the best way to put it, to use those same stories to anticipate what's coming unless what's coming is absolutely straight ahead. 
the slightest variations and we're woefully unprepared. But we can do that then. You're right. We can use that. We can put together a story if we evaluate how confident we are. Yeah, because our feelings of confidence, our stories, and our actions exist in a constant state of equilibrium because we need them to. You wouldn't do something different from how you feel, and you wouldn't tell a story that's inconsistent with how you feel. And so those three things are in constant states of of agreement. And when one changes, suddenly the other two are forced to change. And so if we stop for a second and assess how we feel, then suddenly we can anticipate what's the story that's about to be told? What's the action that's about to happen? And that's particularly true with crowds because crowds move in stories. That's the beauty of social media. We can actually see these stories ebb and flow today. But we behave entirely driven by our level of confidence and the stories that accompany that. And I think that that's really powerful information that gets overlooked. And if we would stop to analyze it, we would make far better decisions at the extremes of confidence, which is where most investors make their worst choices. You really dive into this with stories. And one story that comes to mind just as you're speaking is for me to predict the future about a test as a guy who has uh, a guy who has been a professor of many people. If I'm getting ready to take a test in one of your classes, we can kind of predict the future on how much I prepared. If I feel very prepared, then I'm going to feel very confident. And I will probably I will probably be able to, based on that confidence, we can examine the class and figure out ahead of time who will probably do well in the test and who won't. But there's got to be a better story than that, Peter, that we can kind of tell our stackers about how this confidence game works to predict the future. Do you have a good story that we could maybe wrap it around? Yeah. So let's rewind the tape to the beginning of COVID. And you can think about that we started with there being absolute certainty that the virus was contained to China. Right. Okay. That was the story. And with that story, our confidence was very high. We had an easy story to understand. The virus was far away. It was abstract. Therefore, we could be confident. And we were still making choices based on that. Virus moves to Europe, feels a little closer, but we're still okay, but we're still making decisions in the same way. Virus moves Suddenly, American companies are being impacted, Starbucks, Apple, talking about what's happening to them, and we're getting increasingly anxious. Now, if you pause for a second to say, if Americans start to feel more anxious, what are we likely to do? How is our response likely to change? And we were doing this real time with my, I was doing this with my students, and they were, they were saying, well, we're going to stop traveling to these places. Great. Makes sense. Would fit the story, which reflect lower levels of conference. They said, you know, we may have to shut things down because we'll be afraid. My favorite was in late February, they're, they're seeing this continue to unfold. And students says, professor, if confidence gets worse, we're not coming back from spring break. So we ought to pack our cars like we're not coming back. And we talked about that. We said, so what's the upside downside of this decision? They said, the minimum 
downside, but a lot of upside if, if that happens. So they all pack their cars and their friends are looking at them. Why are you packing their cars? And they're like, well, if things get worse, this is likely to happen. And so I share that because they were right. And if we pause for a second to think, if our confidence gets higher or lower, what's likely to be our response? And let me fast forward to one last moment on that example. Tom Hanks and Rudy Gobert, March 11th, the news hits that Hanks has COVID and the game, this jazz Oklahoma City game is canceled. And suddenly there's panic because in that moment, our vulnerability became real. Didn't matter that Hanks was in Australia at the time. Right, right. But this is the nature of how we respond to vulnerability, that when those threats become real, we then respond in a very impulsive and emotional way. And I see this in markets on a repeated basis. And we forget that panic is, in fact, God's way of telling us the worst is behind us. I'm just pondering that. I'm just pondering that for a second. Well, you know, and, and to really define what you're talking about there, let's do this. Yeah. Let's go through your quadrant model. I think as I'm evaluating what you're saying, I'm understanding from this project, I'm understanding like I am now in the lower left quadrant, which means that the worst probably is behind me. And now I'm, I'm going to either go north or I'm going to go east or I'm going to go northeast, all of which are great outcomes versus where I'm at today. Yeah. So you've got this great way of framing the confidence framework in these quadrants. Could you describe that framework for our stackers so we can kind of unpack what you just said? Sure. So confidence is one of those words that we use and use and use, but really aren't sure what it means. And I finally in frustration said, okay, we need a useful definition of what this thing is, what this You actually talk is. about how your dad had a map. Yeah. I really like that idea too. Your dad had this map. He'd go around the world. He would come home. He'd show you, hey, I went here. I was in this place. This is it. And then you realize that these places had different mores. They had different languages. They had different things. And you begin associating these things with the map, which I thought was a great way to introduce this. It's giving us a map of what we're about to look at. Because based on our levels of confidence, we're different people. It's like we're in a completely different country if we're confident versus we're not confident. So what I concluded was that certainty and control are what we need to feel confident. That to be confident, I need to have a sense that what's ahead of me is predictable, that I can see a road, a path that's clear, and that I'm prepared for what's coming that I've practiced, I've got the tools, I've got the skills, whatever it is that I need to be successful in this future that I imagined. And I realized that when we have both of those, things feel comfortable, feel easy. And so what I created was a very simple two-by-two two box chart where I have high and low certainty and high and low control, and then those mixes. When I have high certainty and high control, it's the upper right-hand box of the these four boxes. And that's the comfort zone. And that's where we're confident. We're nice people. It's where our successes in life happen. We're relaxed. Time moves quickly. It's a place when we talk about, you know, not wanting to leave our comfort zone, that's exactly why. Because to leave our comfort zone introduces uncertainty and it may introduce a sense of powerlessness. And when I introduce both of those, then I'm in the lower left-hand corner. And that's what I call the stress center, because we always feel anxious when we lack certainty and control. And anybody who's experienced a traumatic event 
has been in the lower left corner of that. That I think of as the trauma zone where you feel intensely powerless and uncertain. It's, you know, when you arrive in the emergency room. That box, as I said, we're a completely different person. We're impatient. We're not necessarily nice to others or ourselves. Time drags. You can really feel how slow it is. We think differently too. It's really hard for us to make sense of the world. And so that's a, almost a country all by itself. And when we think of confidence, we typically think of those two locations. Just to stop you for just a second, because as, as you were describing this, I'm also thinking, you know, in that comfort zone, you also talk about time speeding up, as you mentioned. And also, this is where a lot of sports players are, or maybe people in an orchestra are, where time seems to go quickly. It seems like you're almost channeling, and I can never pronounce the philosopher's name, but the gentleman at the University of Chicago talking about flow, right? About a flow yeah. state. A flow state really is that upper right where I am so in control and I know what I'm doing that I'm living in this, in this world where things are just coming naturally. Yeah, and psychologists think of it as fluency. And I love that word because if you've learned a foreign language, you struggle and you struggle and struggle. And But somebody who's fluent, it's effortless. It's just the words happen before they realize they're out of their mouth. And that's, that's that flow state. There are two other quadrants. If we head further along the x-axis, Peter, we have confidence, but we're not in control. These are ones I think that are a little harder to explain, but you call that a passenger state? A passenger seat. Yeah, because... If I'm on an airplane or in the back of a cab, I hope I have certainty and I'll, and I'll require a lot of certainty to get in, but I have no control unless I've got the steering wheel. And that's an interesting environment. It's us on an elevator or on a bridge. We are in that space routinely and don't realize it. And when we have the certainty that we want, that we expect, we're relaxed but introduce some turbulence, and suddenly we feel like we're in the stress center. And here, I think it's helpful to realize that the passenger seat also defines a prison. Prisons are environments of extreme certainty, but powerlessness. And so if you've been on an airplane with turbulence, you feel that sense of imprisonment or on a roller coaster that you don't want to ride. So these are environments that are very fragile, and that can go from feeling wonderful one moment to terrifying the next. I love how, to a use case of this, you brought up the airplane. You talk about how on an airplane, we buy the ticket. We feel very confident. I decided I want to go from Texarkana, where I am, out to visit you, Peter, on the East Coast. So I'm very confident I'm in control. I'm in that upper quadrant. Then I get on the plane, and I'm immediately a passenger. Somebody else is there. We hit turbulence. I go to the stress state. In one airplane ride, you can go up and back and up and back several times. That was an aha, but a bigger aha was you can have three people on the same plane. Peter, and they're experiencing that plane ride differently based on their experience, which should be an aha for all of us. Yeah. And that was a huge aha for me. It was to see that somebody who is a frequent flyer isn't phased by the turbulence. On the other hand, an anxious flyer is all but in prayer in those moments. And that's a really important thing to realize because I was struck looking at this, that the confident passenger doesn't realize the reality of her powerlessness in the same way that the nervous passenger woefully underappreciates the certainty. And from that, you can think about 
those being elements in both overconfidence, where we overestimate the certainty and control that we feel, and underconfidence, that we underestimate them. And I, I think underconfidence is a term that needs greater emphasis and attention because we suffer from both of them. I mean, when COVID hit, people were thinking it was the end of the world. And you look back and you say, no, we were catastrophizing, which we tend to do when panic hits. And we need to be careful with that. That's a sign of potential underconfidence. I think that understanding we're all on the same plane, but we're experiencing it differently. If we work with other people, it helps you build empathy. This idea that we we can be experiencing the same things in different ways helps me realize that maybe have a little bit more understanding of what my brother or sister's going through. Uh, hugely and particularly important for leaders to realize that the confidence that they feel as a function of position and opportunity, and there are lots of things that that are stacked to their benefit, may be stacked against their employees. And as a result, they speak again, they speak a different language yeah. and have a hard time communicating because they, they're seeing the same experience in such different ways. I want to talk about a couple of use cases of this, but before we get to that, a bunch of people right now, Peter, screaming at their device. We we went over three different states. We went over the stress zone, the comfort zone, and also now the passenger state, but that upper left one, what's the upper left quadrant, just briefly? Sure. The upper left quadrant is where we have control, but no certainty. Think of this as a rock climber on the side of a cliff. They're climbing, hoping to make it to the top, but they're looking down and yeah, that's the stress center right below them if they lose their grip. And this is an environment that we're in a lot. Every financial decision we make, whether we're borrowing money, lending money, investing, takes place in that box because we have control, but we have no certainty in what the outcome is, even though we imagine vividly what those outcomes are. And, and so we need to remember that we're making a decision in a place where the certainty is unknown and not to associate our feelings with those outcomes. Entrepreneurs love this box. Oh, they do, because they love to hold the steering wheel. In fact, when I talk to groups of entrepreneurs, they're, they're like, the comfort zone, ah, too boring. I'm here. <laughs> Give me the car and let me steer it. I'm going to... And for them, that uncertainty equals opportunity, where for a lot of people, that uncertainty equals... The unknown Fear. is something to be afraid sure. of. Uh, let's talk about a couple of use cases. Let's go back to the workplace first, and then we'll talk about investing. But in the workplace, a lot of people where they make their Benjamins initially, people come into an organization, you're definitely filled with stress. But what I find happens in a lot of organizations is they very quickly make it to that passenger spot, which is not where the leader wants them. I would think they want people in the comfort zone where they own the company goals, right? They own the goals. They feel like they have the control and they have the certainty to be able to make good decisions there. Yet, I find, and I'm thinking specifically of a couple of things, and I'll tell you my own. I am part of a, a nonprofit organization here where the founder is very much involved. The founder has a very difficult time delegating responsibility. And me as a person who's in that, because I know that the founder of this organization is in the upper right corner, I'm very comfortable being a passenger. And yet when she and I go out to lunch and talk about this, Peter, she's always frustrated that there's a lot of us that are very comfortable being passengers because she's an awesome driver. 
right? She's fantastic. How does a leader motivate somebody who's in that passenger zone to get out of that and redefine the world and move them up into that comfort zone? So the pathway typically is from the passenger seat into the launch pad and then the comfort zone. Ah. So if I think about how we prepare doctors, you know, we, we put them in the classroom, they're in the passenger seat so that they get some basic understandings. And then we say, okay, now you go do it. And, and we do this in sports. We do this in a lot of places where, you, you know, you can talk about it only for so long and then you need people to actually do it. And what's vital in that transition is trying to think about what are the skills that somebody needs as they're transitioning from the passenger seat into the launch pad, that they will be successful and end up in the comfort zone. So what I should be doing as a manager is I want to empower people so that they move from the passenger seat to the launch pad. But in that process of empowering, I want to make sure, do they have the skills, the tools, the camaraderie, the network? What is it that they're going to need to know so that when they have to do it themselves, they're not going to fail. They're going to succeed and end up in the comfort zone and have a success that goes along with that. Well, but even if they do fail, if they do fail as a leader, I have to think about this more as a continuum, right? I mean, there's this horrible phrase, right? Give somebody enough rope to hang themselves. Just a rotten phrase. However, I really need to back off and not be maybe not be available as much maybe not be there to help them when they're, when they're struggling, because to your point, they have to feel that fear a little more. The thing about failure, the thing about our experiences when we fall into the, into the stress center is that's where we learn. That's where we are forced to gain skills and understanding that we would otherwise never have. So you're right. As a leader, you've got to let people struggle, have accidents, you know, if you think about what we do with pilots in the simulator, they crash the plane over and over and over until they finally landed safely. And then we're like, okay, now you can fly with real people in it. So our expectation that as leaders that people will move flawlessly from the passenger seat to the launch pad into the comfort zone is, is garbage. We should expect that in this process, they should fail. What we want to do is to make sure that they fail in ways that are not reputation damaging, financially damaging, that, that are controllable failures. How do we use confidence to make better investing decisions? We are in the launch pad when we make those decisions. And we need to be careful to remember that our imagination of the future is not an accurate representation of what's to come. It's a reflection of how we feel. If I feel good, the future I'm imagining looks great. If I feel bad, the future that I imagine is horrible. And I got smacked back inside the head by a psychologist at one point. I was talking about the future and he's like, Peter, we imagine the future. So I think we ought to think of it almost like folks at Disney who are making cartoons. You know, remember, if you're talking about the future, you're imagining it. So for investors, if you can only imagine one outcome, good or bad, you are woefully overconfident in that choice. You need a bigger sample size. Yeah, and you, and you need a bigger imagination. I, I tell people, if you can't imagine anything other than what you imagine as an outcome, you're almost certain to be wrong. 
I think this is fabulous, Peter, because I think of, you know, an engineer I worked with back when I was a financial planner and it, and it was great. She said that, you know, when they were planning out a highway, they would look at all the different things that would go wrong. And only once they imagined all these different outcomes, would they then begin building. So again, you're putting yourself in the launch pad to get to the comfort zone. Yeah. And getting there with a high degree of, of risk tolerance in the process. What I see in investing over and over, and this is with the pros, this is with the M, this is what happens. I get myself in the launch pad. I have a vivid imagination. It's going to be great. What that does is it makes me really lazy. My brain turns off. Right. So I'm not paying any attention, but my imagination is so sure, rather than doing it in a bite size, I want to eat the whole sandwich, in fact, the whole buffet line. And so I buy things in too big a size while paying the least amount of attention. And it's no wonder the outcomes are bad there. And we do the reverse at lows in confidence. We're so certain that things are going to be bad that we sell out on everything. And so if we could just avoid making those two really bad decisions, our longer term performance would be so much better. But these are such self-inflicted wounds. Right, right. They tr truly are. Thank you for going through those because I think those are actionable. They show us where we can go. I want to go back to uh, some things that have happened in the past with you and your students before we uh, say goodbye, because I just find these are great proof of concepts, let's call them. First of all, your students predicted that Trump would beat Clinton because they were one of the few people, right? I mean, all the news that day and as they were counting votes were contradictory to what your students were saying. Walk us through the confidence map and uh, Trump versus Clinton. Sure. So in this class, we talk about the fact that we act as we feel. And so how we feel drives financial decisions, cultural decisions, you know, what we eat to how we vote. And early on in the campaign, we noticed that there was a clear relationship, correlation between the popularity of Hillary Clinton and consumer confidence. And I share the image in the book. In fact, when I asked the folks at Gallup for permission for the image. They looked at it and were like, holy cow. Even they, had, they, hadn't, they hadn't seen this before. Yeah, wow. But what was very clear was that as confidence rose and fell, Hillary Clinton moved with it. And as an offset, as she did poorly, obviously Trump did much better. And so we were watching consumer confidence heading into election day. And their comment was, if confidence falls, he wins, she loses, because that relationship was likely to continue. And that's exactly what happened. And we see this all the time, that as our level of confidence changes, our preferences change in what we buy, how we travel, what we wear. And, and our political decision-making is in line with that same experience. Well, and I want to do one more that is far more serious, far more important to the future of the country and the world, which is you found a parallel between confidence and the 2020 Grammys. Far more important. Far, far more. <laughs> Tell me about this one. Yeah. So our music choices are key to expressing how we feel. And in 2020, you had Taylor Swift going up against Billie Eilish. And I can't think of two more different artists, one who's a very popular, you know, and another indie, positive, dark. I mean, the contrast is real. And yet, 
for all of her popularity, Taylor Swift was swept off the stage by Billie Eilish, who won more Grammys in that moment than anybody had since Christopher Cross at the Lowe's in Confidence in 1980. And music and, and mood are fascinating. There are lots of fun studies, and now thanks to Spotify, we can actually keep track of this. But I would say to your listeners, and this is something I talk about in class, as an investor, you want to buy Adele. You want to buy when we're rolling in the deep, those dark, somber, you know, teary music you'd play it during a breakup kind of environment. And you want to sell Pharrell. <laughs> buy Adele, sell Pharrell. Why? Because his music, you know, you think happy. When I'm you know, happy, that, yeah. Yeah, that bubblegum dancing. And so it sounds silly and it is silly, but there's a real message in it. We need to think about our moods because we should do exactly the opposite of what our gut tells us to do as investors. When we're rolling in the deep, that means there's opportunity. And what's wild is, is that while Taylor was swept off the stage by Billie Eilish, I heard some people say, Peter, she might be okay. Uh, Taylor Swift might be okay. all right. Yeah. But, but notice, <laughs> notice what's happened to confidence since early 2020. Yeah. So. The book is The Confidence Map, Charting a Path from Chaos to Clarity. If you've listened to me on Afford Anything recently, uh, you've also heard me talk about questions I'm answering with my friend Paula Pant on that show about uh, using Peter's framework, but it's available everywhere. It's available everywhere. Yeah. Peter, thank you so much for helping our stackers hopefully get a little more confident. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate the opportunity, Joe. Thank you. This is Daryl from Pennsylvania. When I'm not busy arguing with a four-year-old, I'm stacking Benjamins. No, Daddy. Big thanks to Peter for hanging out with us today. It's all about confidence. Let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, OG, they put what you value first. Uh, I'm going to need a refill on some coffee. Ah. I, I started a little early, so I'm, uh, I'm cold and got just the remnants left. It's coffee is uh, good when you're up early, taking care of the stacker community. We might be able to press pause here for a second, but for now, I'm going to say it's your loved ones and your time with your coffee. It's why they made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. You go to stackybenjamins.com slash Haven Life. Now to get a free quote, you get a free quote quicker than you can make a pot of coffee. Yeah. Hi, yeah. By the way, highly disagree. Coffee with your loved ones? No. What What do you mean? I want to be completely alone. When I'm having that first cup or two of coffee in the morning. God, we want you alone. Nobody around me. I mean, I'm not please. saying I want to, I want you alone. I'm saying I want you to be alone. <laughs> GTFO. <laughs> Just to while be I'm drinking clear. my first cup. Go to stackbenjamins.com slash Haven Life now for a free quote instead of talking to Doug while he's drinking his coffee. I love what they're doing because they're committed to offering a modern way to buy life insurance. It's simple. It's online. The coffee is just still percolating and you have an instant coverage decision. Prices are affordable. All policies issued by the parent company, Mass Mutual, more than 160 years old. Hey, today we're going to throw out the Haven Lifeline to Stacker Jerry. What's up, Jerry? Jerry from Nashville, Wisconsin, of course. And my question's for Doug and uh, Joe G, if there's time. See what I did there? It's like Benifer, but for stacking Benjamins. <laughs> and anyways, I recently changed jobs and received a raise uh, by doing so. However, my new employer does not offer a 401k for the first year. So with that and the raise, it means I have an extra chunk of change uh, ready for investing. Investment prices where they are right now, I don't want to miss out on 
you know, the sale and the predicted market gains in the subsequent years. So my question is, what would you encourage someone to do if they have their HSA, their Roth IRA maxed out and 401k investings off limits for another nine months? Thanks. Sea monkeys. Jerry. <laughs> Jerry. Thanks for the- Invest in a sea monkey farm, Jerry. <laughs> Jerry, that's why OG and I are here, is uh, so you don't have to take that advice. So, G, what does he do? He's, he's got uh, some cash flow that needs a home. Well, if you've already maxed out all the retirement plan options available to you, Roth and your HSA, then the only other place is your brokerage account, right? The, I think the really important piece is to make sure that you continue to set aside that money so that come Jan 1 or whenever you can kick on the 401k, you already have the experience and the cash flow associated with, you know, saving that extra that extra money. Because a year down the line, having an extra 20 grand in your pocket- You get used for, to it. For a lot of us, it will be like, hey, look at all this extra cash I got. The other thing that you could do is if you have a partner or spouse that has a workplace plan that they're not contributing the maximum to, you could have them increase to the maximum- option in their plan, you know, you kind of offset it based on your on, on on the fact that you're not contributing to yours. So from a cash flow standpoint, you know, your spouse may be like, hey, what's going on? I don't have any money in my paycheck. Well, yeah, you're just kind of, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul, so to speak. But the most important piece out of all of this is to make sure that you continue to save the money that you're going to save into your 401k. You got a nice pay raise and you're planning on doing it, you might as well plan on maxing it out. So make sure you're setting aside that uh $22,500 a year uh, based on, you know, whatever that works out to be per paycheck for you. Stuff it in your brokerage account. Good time to pay off debt. It's a good time to build up your cash reserve. It's a good time to dump some money in the kids' 529 plans. There's a lot of places to put it in the meantime, but the most important thing is make sure the activity of that saving is going on. That was going to be my contribution, OG, was uh, it was just to pick up from where you left off. Choosing what to invest in is going to be based on the roadmap, right? Which, what are you saving for? And then what's the timeline around that goal? And that'll that'll lead you right to a much smaller group of investments that does that thing. Obviously, if it's college, the 529 plan is a great, great start there. If it is the cash reserve, then a savings account, high, high yield uh, savings account is a great option. If it's just flexible money, then a regular S&P 500 index fund in your brokerage account is a great place to go. I, I love the idea, OG, either way of having flexible money. I think, especially when it comes to finance nerds, we solve, as I opened the show with, we solve a lot for optimization, which often by the time people you know get to where they want to go, they realize they're kind of strapped into this strategy and if my goals change, I don't have any flexible money to go to. Yeah. I mean, all that sounded great, guys, but I guarantee you he stopped listening after he heard Sea Monkeys. It's a it's an ATM machine in your own home. Or or go Sea Monkeys, Jerry. Well, one of those might be correct. Uh, thanks for the call. If you've got a question that Doug can help us answer, and then we'll <laughs> pat him on the head like that afterwards. <laughs> nice job, Doug. Uh, StackyBenjamins.com slash. You're You're helping. <laughs> it's fantastic. StackyBenjamins.com slash voicemail. And you know what? We're sending Jerry a uh, Stacking Benjamins Haven Life Greatest Money Show on Earth Circus t-shirt. Very comfortable shirt. In fact, we saw a listener, Maddie. Yes. Uh, showed we us- got a shout out, Maddie. So happy he did that. Maddie showed us his shirt in our Facebook group, The Basement. 
and I got an email from Rachel who couldn't make it to the Minneapolis meetup when I was there and had written me a nice note saying, but I'm repping the brand. She sent me a picture of her when she was in Bavaria. She goes, Oh, Joe, did I tell you I went to Bavaria? <laughs> and, and there's a picture of her in a stacky Benjamin shirt in Bavaria. Uh, so That's thanks uh, for that. I don't Rachel. even think you took a picture of a stacking Benjamin shirt Actually, in Bavaria. I didn't. This is a great point. OG. this dude never is not traveling and we don't see, why don't, why don't we see pictures of you in every location you go to with swag? Hey, time to end the show guys. It's, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. We're running up against the clock here. Big uh, apologies to Dave Ramsey. We ran out of time for his segment today. But uh, we do have some stuff coming up on the community calendar, which is cool. Coming up on Thursday, our friend Andy Hill at Marriage, Kids, and Money has uh, been working with his kids to make them millionaires at an early age. And he's put together a whole program on how to do that. We're going to talk to him on Instagram on Thursday. So Andy Hill from Marriage, Kids, and Money, my old neighbor and my board game buddy, going to join us on Instagram. Andy's always a lot of fun. And uh, in this case, if you've got a family or nieces and nephews or a community you want to help, uh, Andy's going to have some good advice. Thursday, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Join us over on Instagram. For all the places, whether it's YouTube, Instagram, wherever we're going to be, head to our welcome kit. Uh, StackyBenjamins.com slash welcome gives you all of the different places where you can can uh, plug into us. By the way, if you're listening to us on Stitcher, we said this a few times, Stitcher going bye-bye, I think, this week or next week. So, you need to get off Stitcher. Um, and Stitcher gives you this great way to take all of your follows like us along with you so you don't lose any of your shows. It's funny. Uh, I'm saying this in part because I still need to do that. I use Stitcher <laughs> and I've got like 18 shows I follow and I really got to gotta get that done. But I've heard from friends it takes just a couple minutes. So if you're on following us on Stitcher, Follow us someplace else. Uh, uh, what do you guys use? Oh, gee, you use just the use the Apple uh, podcast app. Yeah, yeah, Doug. How about you? Yeah, me too. Yep. Yeah, I've used Castro. I really like. I've used Overcast. A lot of people in the basement use Overcast. Wow, that's a. I just saw an article about this, and Overcast was an incredibly small percentage of the overall podcast audience was using Overcast. Like I don't know, one point two percent or something. Well, because so the big two behind the big two. I mean, I mean, really, well, yeah, Apple's number one, right. App, Apple's number one, huge Spotify then, and then Google just can't decide no. what they're using. So th th then you've got, yeah, Overcast and a few other good choices. But anyway, uh, lots of different, lots of different places to go. Try out a few different ones and see which one works for you. But for, for me, the Apple one works just great. All right. That's going to do it for today, except one thing, probably the most important thing, if you're here because of the fact that you just need to make better decisions than you have in the past and maybe not drop stuff while Joe's doing the exit as well. Uh, fidget spinner. Head to stackybenjamins.com slash OG because OG and his team are taking clients. Their financial planning practice. OG is uh, listed again this year, by the way, on Instagram's Instagram. What am I talking about? Investopedia's list of the top 100 advisors in the United States. Congratulations, OG. Yeah, thanks. Nice job. No problem. Nice job there. But stackybenjamins.com slash OG gets you on his calendar. All right. That's going to do it for today. Now, Doug, what's our top three takeaways? God, finally. Well, Joe, first, take some advice from Peter Atwater and work on building your confidence to find financial success. Second, take a tip from our headline, and if you need money, think harder about solving the real problem instead of just tapping into the 401k and mortgaging your financial future. But the big lesson... 
don't always find a pot of gold at the end of every rainbow. If you're not careful, there might just be a pile of credit card debt. Don't ask how I know. Thanks to Peter Atwater for joining us today. You'll find Peter's book, The Confidence Map, charting a path from chaos to clarity wherever books are sold. But we'll also include links in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. And if you use our Amazon link for that or other purchases, you'll pay the same Amazon prices, but you'll also help the podcast. I think we need new books to hold up the mic, so please hurry. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. This show was written by Lacey Langford, who's also the host of the Military Money Show, with help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just visit stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Tina Eichenberg makes the video version of this show. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude and Kate Yunkin are our social media coordinators, and Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com basement. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. I had a great issue with my Bing points, which will make Doug laugh. You know, I use, I use Bing to get these points. And I decided I was going to buy the EA golf game because the last golf game that I had through EA, I really liked, but it didn't work very well. And so I've accumulated a bunch of points, went to cash in and they said, Hey, last up, we just need to, um, we just need to run a text to your phone number just to prove it's you cashing out your points for these sweet Amazon gift cards. So you can buy the game on Amazon. And so I click and they go, but you don't have a phone number on file. And I said, I don't have a phone number on file. Okay. So I went in to click on a phone number. Guess how they let me in to put my phone number in. They sent me a text that I had to answer off of my phone. (laughs) 
you can't make this up. I, I'm like, they sent me a text via my phone. And then I get to my phone and it goes, yeah, we don't have a phone number for you. I'm like, well, I, hold on a second. Bet you do. And then I go to put my phone number in and it says, oh yeah, we can't put that phone number in. I have no idea why I can't put that. Anyway, I can't get my points out of, out of Bing right now. So my love affair, Doug, Doug was like, sooner or later, this is going to go bad. It's using Bing versus Google. It's going to have a horrible end. If I just wait this out, I'll be right. I know. Ten years we did later. A, we did have one thing we were going to say on this after show, which is uh, you had stories about eBay. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's worthy of after show, but I'll just tell the stories and uh, and you'll decide. I wanted to get a pocket knife for my son. I have a pocket knife a friend gave me as a gift as a thank you gift and it's a it's a it was pretty expensive pretty nice pocket knife and my son's always admired you know he likes it i'd like to have one so i was gonna i got him one for christmas early just to take on planes take on vacation sure yeah as one does so i do some google searching to find out is there any place that's selling these for a little bit less because they're they're a little spendy and uh this this brand the name of the brand of the knife is benchmade i find one that was like 40% off, something like that. I'm like, sweet. Go to the website. It is Benchmade. All the logos, everything is perfect. I order the knife, says takes 10 to 14 days to process. I thought, well, that's kind of weird, but that's, you know, it's not a, not normal. So I wait and I wait and I wait. Knife shows up. It's the wrong model, not the one I ordered. So I find the confirmation email I got when I ordered it. I reply to them, hey, wrong knife. The email that comes back to me, clearly not from the North America, I'll say. Clearly somebody kind of feels like a bit of a scammy kind of an email. One of those where you get a spam email from, you know, the prince in Nigeria who wants money. I'm like, oh, this is suspicious. But so I send back what I got. They needed pictures of everything. Send photos. They uh, they say, oh, we're very sorry. Again, in really broken English with lots of grammatical issues. In the meantime, I called the 800 number on the Benchmade site, and they're like, oh, yeah, we know about them. That's a Chinese scam company. We've been trying to shut them down for years, and we just can't can't do it. The only thing you can do is go to your credit card. If you use a credit card, obviously I did. and Deny it. Deny it. Ask them to, uh, yeah, to deny the claim, deny the payment. So I did that. Actually, it was awesome. There was a, right in the app for Citibank, there was one of the options was counterfeit goods. So sweet, choose that. And almost instantly I get a thing back saying, we're giving you a provisional credit back on your card. And, um, but I've got the knife already and I've got my money back. So they finally reply to me after that. And they're like, oh, we're very sorry. Uh, We'll send you the correct knife. And for your troubles, you get to keep the knife we sent you as our gift. And we'll send you the correct one. So (laughs) I think I'm getting two fake Chinese knives and uh, my money back. But I mean, these, these fakes were really good. Doug's, uh, it, Doug's <laughs> message is you got to try it. Try it. I mean, go Everybody to this site. Try this. I get two free Hack. knives. <laughs> this is a TikTok right here. Hack, how to get two free knives from China. Go Step to one. <laughs> this should have been my first clue, but I didn't spot it right away is the URL was Benchmade Knives, not Knives. 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 Yeah, BenchmadeKnives.com is it, the fake uh, one. I thought you were going to say when it was 40% off, it came and it was just 40% shorter. 
Well, that's like, funny oh. you say that, Joe, because that was the knife I wanted. Was it was a shorter version of the one I carry? It's <laughs> hilarious because that's so almost was, exactly that's what, what I was I hoping for. Forty <laughs> percent. Oh, I want that, and I got a full size one, and that that was no bueno. But uh, I'm still waiting for that correct fake version that they're going to send me. But uh, that, that hasn't shown up yet. So I'll, I'll, at some point, I'm wondering if they'll be like, you know, screw this guy. He took his money back. We're not sending him his free fake knife. Do you but, know what OG? Uh, you know what, OG, he was right. That story totally wasn't worth it. I know it. I told you. I didn't know these were going to be after shows. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.